Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Red Sparrow. Morning, Mama. What is it? I have to go away for a while. I was told to take a man to a hotel. They said he was an enemy of the state. Take off your dress. And in exchange, my mother would get the doctor she needed. Instead, they cut his throat. There could be no witnesses. So they gave me a choice. Die or become a sparrow. From this day forward, you will become sparrows. Weapons in a global struggle for power. You'll be trained in psychological manipulation. You must learn to push yourself beyond all limitation. Take off your clothes. When we are finished with you, the person you were will no longer exist. Every human being is a puzzle of need. You must become the missing piece, and they will tell you anything. You have a gift. You know how to survive. This is what you were meant to do. There is a traitor in the government. His last known contact is an American. Get close to him. I thought I saw you in the pool yesterday. Are we going to become friends? Is that what you want? a sparrow. You only matter because of what you can do for them. Work with me and make these men pay. You are better at this than any of us. Your only problem is you have a soul. We can't trust in a word that comes out of her mouth. There's something else we're not seeing. If she's compromised, she will be eliminated. What have you done? You belong to them. They'll never let you go. I'll find a way. Alright everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Red Sparrow. The story is as follows. Prima ballerina Dominika Egorova faces a bleak and uncertain future after she suffers an injury that ends her career. She soon turns to Sparrow School, a secret intelligence service that trains exceptional young people to use their minds and bodies as weapons. Egorova emerges as the most dangerous Sparrow after completing the sadistic training process. As she comes to terms with her new abilities, Dominika meets a CIA agent who tries to convince her that he is the only person she can trust. The film stars Jennifer Lawrence, Joel Egerton, Matthias Sarkonartz, Charlotte Rampling, Mary Louise Parker, and Jeremy Irons. It is directed by Francis Lawrence and written by Justin Haith. Joining me for this review, I have Deanne Kiazese. Hello, everyone. Happy Oscar weekend. Yes. Happy Oscar weekend, Deanne. Yes. I'm ready. 
very excited to talk about a non-Oscar movie. <laughs> yes, but I'm going to find a way to uh, tie it into the Oscars. So wait for that later. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Starring Academy Award winner Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I, I feel I, like I just butchered like so many names just now. Um <laughs> And I'm about to butcher this movie, too, a little bit. But, well, you know what's funny, though, Matt, is if this movie actually had used Russian actors, you probably would have had even a harder time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the fact is, I don't think any of that they chose to just put um, fake Russian accents on every person instead of maybe bringing in some Russian people. <laughs> yeah, I, I get a little annoyed about that sometimes when you watch a movie and they're all speaking English and it's in the accent, but... Why not just have them just speak the damn language and just give us subtitles, you know? Yeah, I felt that here, for sure. I mean, Lawrence's accent is, like, all over the place. It's, it like, is. in and out constantly. Yeah, yeah. And when things get really tense, it's when she seems to lose it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that's what I felt as well. Um, okay, so without going, like, way too over <laughs> the place, I'll hand, yeah. the, uh, I'll hand the ball over to you. Tell us what you thought of Red Sparrow at the end. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was really excited about this. I actually really, you know, I love Jennifer Lawrence. I loved mother last year. I was excited to see what she was going to do here. Um, I thought it was interesting that it was the director of the hunger games, you know, kind of going in because the subject matter sounded like it was going to be pretty intense and it proved to be actually kind of even taking things further than I was even expecting just in terms of what I would guess consider a hard R, so to speak, you know, and, and I have to say, I'm a, I'm a fan of that. Like, I always think back to the days of my filmmaking or film watching, not making, I haven't done that yet. Um, my film watching years and, you know, like the years of like basic instinct and films like that coming out and, you know, uh, th that kind of whole phase that happened mid to late nineties. And then we kind of got away from that. And then there's been some resurgence around kind of revisiting, um, so, again, with this kind of hard R idea with things like, um, Dragon Tattoo two as an example. And, um, even three billboards last year, I would say, you know, as an example of that. So I, you know, I was definitely interested to see how this was going to, you know, work with the subject matter. Um, and ultimately, unfortunately, I was very disappointed with the overall kind of tone and approach of the film, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but let me focus on what I liked. I mean, I think there's a reasonable story here. Um, I, I like spy movies. I like duplicity and trying to figure out who did what. Unfortunately, with this film, the runtime um you just get lost in some of that, even though there is a fairly interesting ending here. It just isn't earned because of the rest of the film kind of falls off in the middle and gets boring, unfortunately. Um, and um, I thought it was fun to see Mary Louise Parker again. <laughs> I like the score. I, that probably sums up what I liked. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, um, we'll get into the tone a little bit later. I have kind of more I want to say around that. So I, I'll kind of hold on that. But that would be kind of my initial thoughts. Yeah, the length of this film was a big problem for me. It's nearly two and a half hours long, and it slogs very, very hard in the middle. I found myself dozing off, I'm not going to lie, that by the time we got to the ending itself, um, I was kind of pulled back in, but at the same time, I didn't really have so much context of what was going on because the story felt needlessly convoluted and just failed to intrigue me and get me kind of wrapped into what was happening. Even Jennifer Lawrence's performance, which I found compelling initially, lost me halfway through the film. And the ending of the movie could not bring me back either. I just felt like from a technical perspective, sometimes when the story is losing me or the acting, I tend to try and focus on 
okay, well, what's something that is, uh, you know, very, very gripping that can really get me involved with this movie? Uh, the cinematography, nothing too special. The score, nothing too special. Sound design, nothing too special. This film is just so average the whole way through. And it wants to be like this Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy meets the girl with the dragon tattoo. Or I guess take those two films and mix it with Atomic Blonde. But this isn't either of those three films. And I wasn't even a fan of Atomic Blonde. I thought that film was kind of all over the place too. But this movie just kind of does not do any one of those films justice. Um, it doesn't have great action, I felt. Um, the sexual violence is misogynistic and not empowering whatsoever. We're going to talk about that. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have the same uh, level of uh, dramat- dramatics in terms of like the, the relationship that uh, Jennifer Lawrence has with Joel Egerton in this, you know, where maybe it's, it's not, there's no of, chemistry either. Oh yeah. No, there's nothing there uh, at all. Um, and I also still have this weird thing with Jennifer Lawrence where I think she looks like a kid and she always keeps getting cast in these very mature roles that are asking a lot of her. And I, I still just don't see it. There's something about her in those roles that sometimes just does not work for me. Yeah, that's really interesting you say that because I, when I talk, when I was talking about the tone earlier, what comes to my mind first is you've got the Hunger Games director here. And this does, in a strange way, come off as almost like a young adult tone <laughs> or like a even Kingsman Secret Service, maybe sort of another oh example my gosh. to me, right? Yes. Where you're, you're taking something that is like, I, I think had the potential to be told in a really appropriate way, but you're applying this tone to it that just doesn't work with the gravity of the, of the subject matter. You know what this could have been much better? It it could have worked much better as a mini series, to be honest with you. Well, you know, what's interesting. So that's exactly what, where I was going to go. That's a great point. You think of um, Handmaid's Tale, like Margaret Atwood's depiction. Um, This is, that is also a story about sexual assault in its, in its own form, right. And more of a controlled sex and the impact that that has on the people who are experiencing it. But it is done with a tone and and with an amount of depth that makes it work, where this is trying to tackle that, but unfortunately just falls on its face and it becomes almost offensive in how um, very little it really describes the stakes of sexual assault and what that really means to the person involved. Yeah, it's exploitative. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it's Jennifer Lawrence, everybody's, you know, it's behind this movie is going to be like, oh, everybody's going to be so interested because it's Jennifer Lawrence and she's a huge star. And look how, look how brave her performance is. Oh, she must really trust that director after working with him so much. And there's, there's just so much bravery, you know, and, and I'll admit, you know, there's some guts to the performance, I suppose. But the fact that she's playing a character that's so cold and so steely, um, does not leave enough in the way for emotion. And I found a vi- I found I was having a very tough time connecting with this character as a result of that. And I almost felt like the performance, even though there were aspects of the screenplay that were calling um, much of her to give herself over to um, the plot, in the end, I, I found it to be almost soulless and there just wasn't enough life or spark to anything that was happening on screen. 
Right. No, that's totally right. And give herself over is a perfect segue, Matt, because we have to talk about the nudity. I'm going to do it. Um, But, um, you know, I think it's interesting. Uh, This was kind of my thought, you know, obviously, as I was sitting through this, I'm like, you know, there's people who and I I, this is there's no judgment here. I want everyone to hear this is no judgment for me, but that would be excited to go see Jennifer Lawrence naked. And I get that like that. Okay. But I also feel like with where the world is now and the accessibility of nudity, that that was almost more of an old school thing. And that audiences have kind of matured where they actually expect more than just that as the reason to buy a ticket. Um, but I do. And obviously she was comfortable with that. And, um, and, and, but what I feel in terms of the tone of the film again, is that I still feel like it is like 10 years old or 15 years old. Like it hasn't caught up to what audience expect now in terms of how that's utilized and that they still expect there's to be appropriate storytelling to sort of earn kind of the vignettes of shock value that this movie has. And I I just don't think it does. And, you know, and then I also feel if we're talking about the, um, I, I, I didn't really have a problem with the visuals, but I can see some of the criticism around it having a little bit more of a sleazy vibe just in terms of the costuming. Um, I, I really didn't have as big of an issue with that, but, um, anyway, I just think it's interesting. And, and I guess my takeaway with that is I just think that movies need to do more than that now for audiences to be happy. And I think the scores for this movie reflect that. Yeah, I mean, that's a little sad when you think about it, because then it becomes a matter of how much can we push the envelope? How much can we show on screen without getting an X rating? Right. And there are some brutal rape scenes in this that, for me, um, were just as, if not a little bit more startling and graphic than something found within the girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, And what angered me about this movie so much was they were confusing her being strong. with ultimately, she 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 sleeps with these men, or she ends up fighting against them when she's getting raped, only because she's backed into a corner and she has no choice. The whole movie, the reason why she gets sent to this school and she has to, you know, adopt to this lifestyle, is because she has no choice. That that is not a show of strength. That that I don't understand how that plays. You know what I mean? And how that can play well with people. Well, and then her transition is unbelievable. No. That whole that whole school scene and then that flip and, you know, we'll stay spoiler free. But, you know, what kind of all the things that kind of feed into her supposed uh, transition into becoming this kind of powerful person and using sexuality to her benefit I, I still didn't buy it. Well, because they show her that she has, you know, moral value. She refuses to unclove herself and um I'll be honest, I I don't know where the switch was, where all of a sudden she becomes so good at it. Right. I mean, there's one kind of scene in the school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, sort of. And I guess that was supposed to be it. But obviously it didn't work, right? Because neither of us are sure. So it didn't work. And and I mean, there are other (laughs) weird character moments as well. Like there's a scene where in just a pure fit of rage and anger, she takes like her cane because early in the movie she breaks her leg as a ballerina and she like beats two people almost to death with her cane. And I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, well, that's stupid. Like (laughs) this character is, you know, far too emotional Obviously, how am I supposed to buy into the fact that she is now an emotionless spy right. that can manipulate people if they have this scene earlier on in the movie that shows that she can't handle her emotions? Yeah. Like, I, I don't I don't get that. 
I agree. It just didn't work. And, you know, I think the adaptation was fine, but I I, I don't know. I feel like it was more of the direction that was the problem. I think there is a story here that could be done better, in my opinion. I I didn't mind the ending. I mean, but I just was by that point a little bit lost with the rest of the film. How did you feel about the ending? By that point, I just thought it was such a slow, long and boring, arduous journey to get there. I was just ready for it to be over. Yeah, that's where I was too. I really struggled in the middle <laughs> to even I don't blame you. to even watch it. Um, and I was so disappointed because I love Joel Edgerton too. I mean, ever yeah. since Warrior, I've been such a fan. And I was actually, when I saw him tied to this, that was a plus for me. You know, I was thinking he could oh, really yeah. bring something, but unfortunately uh, there was no value out of even having him there. It was kind of a waste of talent with him and Lawrence, I think actually, you know, a film that predates war. If you, if you've never uh, seen it, I don't know if you have or not. Uh, you, uh, have you ever seen animal kingdom? No, I don't think I have. Ooh, that's an Australian film with uh, also Ben Mendelsohn in it too. You Ooh, should... I love Ben Mendelsohn. All right. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think you, I think you'd really like that. one. Watch this. Um, not that. <laughs> No, no, but this is not that exactly. Um, And then the other thing, too, just staying on Joel Egerton for a moment here is that, you know, in the first half of the film, we're more drawn to Jennifer Lawrence's story because there's more of an emotional aspect to it. Uh, She's caring for her sick mother. She breaks her leg in the opening scene of the movie. And uh, she's this ballerina, so we know that her career's over. There's There's a sympathy factor there, right, for us to get on her side. But so much of the first half of the film is intercut between her and what's going on with Joel Egerton's character as he's trying to protect this mole that he has within uh, Russian intelligence. And, you know, he's having these conversations with his superiors within the CIA. And that stuff was just not as compelling. And it, like... I just was like, can we stop this? Can we just get back to what Jennifer Lawrence is doing? Like, there's no reason for me to care about this storyline. And then I think the part of the movie where finally I was like, oh, there's some energy, there's some life to this, is when the two storylines between them actually converge. Mm -hmm. But then, like you said, Deanne, there's no chemistry between the two actors. So it was like, oh, (laughs) every chance the film had to come to life, it ultimately just went lower and lower for me. Absolutely. It was just a disappointment at that point, just added to it not being enjoyable. And then, you know, on top of that, you have this whole tradecraft deception, who's who can trust who, who's lying to who. Mm-hmm. And right. the film started to confuse me because I think I was trying to read into it too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I was maybe being smarter than the movie and right. giving it too much credit. Yeah, I don't think it asked enough of the audience at all. I really, I mean, with, with all of it, with the story itself, and then, like I said, kind of with the way that it approached um, the themes and even just the, the nudity. I mean, I even think that audiences these days, a good portion of them would be more drawn to kind of the subtle sexuality in mother of like the white dress Jennifer Lawrence versus the like full on uh, aggressive nude Jennifer Lawrence. Like, I just think that that like, I just think that's where people are right now. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. And I will take I, I would love to hear if I'm wrong on that. But um, I, I have another kind of little bit of a side rail here. I hope that you will entertain me for just a minute because I, sure. I really want to um, kind of pose, pose this. I, it was something I was thinking about ever since I finished the film. Um, and it kind of speaks to the Oscar season a little bit right now and something that came up over the course of the season. And I posed the question on Twitter just kind of 
thinking through on the heels of this award season and the backlash that three billboards received related to how it handled racism and violence and the, and, and in the characters, um, evolution through that, um, that was a really strong talking point for a good part of the season against the film itself. And what kept running through my mind is I just watched one of the most egregious, in my opinion, um, depictions of the realities of sexual assault and what that means to the victims from a fictional film in Red Sparrow. And yet, but this is a film that's going to come and go and that nobody's really, you know, going to talk much about. It's not going to be in the awards discussion. And so, you know, I go back to kind of that idea of when we're looking at something and it's a best picture contender, are we holding it to a different level in terms of what we accept, we expect it to do for some, its social responsibility for us to support it in the awards race or as a fictional film, a fictional film. And, and there's a line that I don't know that we have figured out yet because I would argue that this film um, is absolutely offensive, you know, in the, the way it treats that idea of sex and violence and how, um, what, how women are left um, to kind of deal with the ramifications of that and what it means for their own sexuality. Those are all really important questions that this movie does nothing at all to answer. Yet I find myself, and I've always found myself on the side of wanting fiction to be fiction and not wanting to limit who can tell a story and who the right person is to tell a story because I feel like that limits creativity. So I guess I know that's a lot, but I think that the ultimate question is, is, you know, if our, is this where we're going in film criticism that we are going to hold fictional films accountable for actually addressing real social issues in an effective way? And if we do that, where is that line? It's so subjective. And I, I feel like there's almost a danger in it. So I don't know. What do you think of that, Matt? Um, I definitely think it is subjective. I think that the Rebo boards under the microscope that is being held under this year because it is a Best Picture nominee um, has had more talk about that um, than something like Red Sparrow probably will, even though Red Sparrow um, was positioned to be a bigger hit because of the star power of Jennifer Lawrence. But like you said, it will come and go. I will say this, though. I mean, in Three Billboards, yes, uh, sexual violence is a theme of the film, but it's more so about the um, aftermath. And it's not even dealing with a character that A, did it, or B, it was done to. It is told through the point of view of a parent and how she's dealing with that grief and that anger. And we never even see the event itself. It's not presented in flashback or anything like right. that. Well, I'm actually not speaking so much to that. I'm speaking to the backlash around the racial violence as a kind of atrocity, just like oh, sexual yeah. violence is an atrocity. Sure. No, no, that's fair. In terms yeah. of just all social issues, I, I – I, listen, I mean people know I'm a three billboards defender. I, I think that that film um, – while I while I do think that it presents the sexual violence in a more um, less in a less gratuitous way, which I obviously, agree, yeah. Um, the the racial um, implications of it are a, a slightly different story altogether. But in how that also ties into uh, Red Sparrow, I do not believe that we should be limited create creatively speaking. Um, I, I I don't think so. I, I think that if somebody wants to tell this story with Red Sparrow. Um, they have the right to tell it. Anybody has the right to tell it. Now, whether or not you get that interpretation wrong or right, um, who's to say it is necessarily wrong or right? I'm one of those people that 
tends to view films in a historical context. And my belief is that if the majority, and if there's a way I can measure this, I will, if the majority of people um, tend to like your film, then I'm not saying they're wrong or right, but that's a majority opinion, right? Right. And then there's a minority opinion. It's very clear that something like with Three Billboards, there is a majority opinion who love the movie, and then there is a minority of people who don't like the movie for one or many of the uh, social implications that it might not uh, comment well upon. Mm-hmm. Red Sparrow, I would argue that right now there is a divide. Um, however, I think that is leaning more towards the minor- uh, um, The majority is leaning more negative right now. Um and th- like I said, it's not to say anything is wrong or right, because at the end of the day, I do believe that all art is subjective. And you could say to me, well, this isn't art. This is a piece of entertainment. Uh, okay, like, sure, that's fine. Um, but who are you also to tell me that? Who am I also to tell right. you that it's art? It doesn't matter. What does matter at the end of the day is that it's just what your own interpretation is. And if, if by chance, the rest of the world agrees with you or not. And where does that stand within history? I think Red Sparrow does not get these issues correct. You and I uh, both agree on this matter. And I'm sure in due time, the majority of the world will also see the same thing. And as a result, this film will not have uh, a long lifespan in the you know memories of cinephiles and moviegoers. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think it's I just think it's a slippery slope to some degree if you look at um, I, I, to your point, I think you make a very strong point about the fact that this film is much more negatively reviewed, whereas Three Billboards had a lot of love. And so then I think that its kind of mistreatment of that area started to kind of bleed into the overall film, how people were viewing the overall film quality. And yeah. this this movie doesn't have that film quality. But you know what you have to ask yourself, though? Ask yourself this question. In 20 years' time. When the uh, social commentary, which is so prevalent right now because we're living through it, we're mm-hmm. seeing all these articles being written about it, people are talking about it. When we're 20 years removed from these movies and they, those articles are not being popped up in your daily news feed and you're not hearing people talk about it at the water cooler at work, if you were to just sit down and decide one day, oh, look, Netflix, Red Sparrow is on, how are you going to see that film not a good in the movie. context of 20 years from now? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a perfect way to look at it. And I think that's exactly what we need to be doing. And I think that's why I'm calling it out because it became kind of a concern for me this year because I feel like it gets tricky um, to, if those two things are overlapping too much. Yep. Um, the other thing I think is interesting, um, I, we were talking about who should tell a story and I, I'm a big believer that I want everyone to feel like they can. I think that's what we need to be doing. But it, um, I was thinking about um, Sundance this year because I know you saw the tale, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Which I think is an, an incredible example of somebody telling a very, very personal story, which I haven't even seen it yet. But just knowing kind of the context, um, the filmmaker was telling basically her story about sexual abuse and um, what that kind of ends up looking like for her and as an adult. Um, and it handles it obviously in a much more different way than anything you're seeing in the film Red Sparrow. But I'm just, I think, you know, there could be room for both stories. I think Red Sparrow could have done a better job telling the story it had to tell. And I think it should and could still exist in the world, but it's just not an effective film. You got to remember that even if it is a fictional story as well, um, and I'm not saying it's you, Dean, I'm saying yeah. the people that are listening, yeah. um, that even though it's a fictional story, there are people that have gone through these experiences that may be watching your movie. 
right. and they have a very profound impact upon. There is a social responsibility factor that is there, no matter which way you want you want it to go or not. Um, and I also believe too that once a film is released, um, it is not your responsibility as a filmmaker to defend it. I don't think that if somebody were to be brought to questioning, um, that they should have to explain uh, their work. I think that the film should speak for itself. I think that people should have the right to interpret it and give their opinion as they see fit. And we should get out of this habit of saying that people are right and people are wrong in their opinion. We should just simply be listening. I agree. But the, here's the thing. This conversation around this movie is going to come and go. And I think that was probably my biggest point is just, yeah. you know, um, you know, considering that question and how, what a big deal it's been in the context of some films. But how does it relate to some of these other things? Um, but OK, so here's my one last thing I'll say around um, uh, criticism, maybe might be my last thing. But I just need everybody to know that I am a brunette who has gone to blonde and it is impossible to do it overnight. It is like a six week process. It involves several series of bleach before you get like a blonde color. Your hair actually looks like dirty gray for like a good six weeks. So I just, I, I needed to clear that up for everybody who was wondering. That is, that's amazing. <laughs> that's, that is awesome. So there you Deanne, go. While, while we're just at it at this point, uh, <laughs> Final thoughts on Red Sparrow. Anything else you want to spew out? A great out of 10. And I know the answer is zero, yes. but I will ask anyway. Any Oscar potential? Oscar. Yeah, I think I've pretty much said what I have to say. Um, I, you know, I just think the film, it, it, on its merits alone, just in terms of filmmaking, I think it was lacking an appropriate maturity. It, feel, it felt to me like it was a movie made 20 years ago, but not, not like a throwback in a way where I go, oh, yes in a throwback in the way where it didn't evolve to what I think filmmaking should be now. Um, and so I was disappointed. Um, I will give this film, um, a three out of 10, which, um, also means no Oscar potential from this girl. Uh, I'm very, very similar, uh, to you in this regard as well. I also think it is a three out of 10 movie. Um, I don't think it's the worst movie I have seen. Um, you know, in recent memory, but I also don't think it's going to be the worst movie I see this year. But it, there, because there is some, there are some elements. I mean, like, I don't know, because to me they were like half-assed. I, I still can't give it like a whole, you know, praise factor. I but Jennifer Lawrence looks like she is trying, even though ultimately I think she fails. Um, the cinematography can be somewhat interesting in how it captures the Russian landscape and um, some of its uh, some of its setting. And um, there is also um, political like ties and how you want to view the film socially um, in terms of our relationship with Russia as well. So for, th for those reasons alone, um, I would give it the three. But believe me when I tell you, I kind of want to go lower. I think I want to go to like a two. Um, but I'll just stick with three. That's that's what I thought when I after I saw the film. That's what I wrote when I wrote the review. So I'll stick with that for now. And Oscar potential is a big fat zero <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's funny jennifer lawrence now I, I was reading i was reading this on twitter somebody said with mother and now red sparrow jennifer lawrence is like on this war path to just divide her core audience fan base absolutely i know and then she went after phantom thread so she lost all the pta fans <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right yeah. dn uh where can they find you on the internet i am on twitter at tweedledd33 
and you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Red Sparrow on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is ever acceptable, and we will see you all next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.